Hey there, believers. Let's get through this commercial break first so we can enjoy a full show. Want to be prepared for anything that 2024 throws at you from day-to-day life to a national emergency? From the office to the outdoors, then check out SquatchSurvivalGear.com. All packs are made in America, and all components of all packs are made in America. From the fabric to the frame, so you're supporting multiple small businesses when you shop with Squat Survival Gear. Chris, the owner, is a military vet, so all packs are made beyond mil-spec. These things are bomb-proof, and I use my gear daily. I use the Mothman pack going back and forth to work, and my Rock Ape pack stays loaded out in the Jeep. Go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and get the piece of gear for the peace of mind today. Use promo code BUMP24 to save 15% site-wide. That's B-U-M-P-24 to save 15% site-wide. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. So now that we have this knowledge, we have to remember to walk in 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night.
Hey there, believers. Got a great show for you this week. I'm going to ask in advance to please forgive me if I get a little brain fog or whatever. I'm getting over a stomach bug and my, for whatever reason, I, I guess it's where I'm still dehydrated or something. My, my thoughts aren't coming to me the way they should. I've had to restart this intro three or four times. <laughs> this week, we're bringing on Joe to the show. He, uh, he heard about this podcast through AI, you know, Appalachian Intelligence with Justin, Ryan, and Lance. And he's got a ton of research that he's going to share with us today that uh, they kind of piece together some stuff that we've been doing with the Sword and Staff, you know, the Shadow Appalachia stuff um, and Dark Holler. And it's just, just some more pieces to the puzzle. But Joe's also had some experiences that he's going to share too. I really look forward to talking to him. And uh, before I mess up this introduction, let's go ahead and just bring Joe on the show. Well, Bo, thanks for um, having me on. Um, just a little background about me. Um, I am originally from Massachusetts. Um, Y'all have a, a very uh, respectable podcast here, so I won't use the term I usually use. And uh, about eight years ago, we moved to Tidewater, Virginia. Um, a few years before we left Massachusetts, I started becoming interested in some of the local stone structures. And, um, you know, this is, if you've, if your listeners have ever read a book called Manitou by uh, the authors were Dixon Mavor, um, that really gave me a, a basis for understanding, like, what was this? Because we were always told, that, you know, when we were younger, that, you know, farmers found these rocks when they were plowing their fields, and they just, for some reason, decided to make these long walls with them or just put them in these strangely shaped piles or carry them all the way up a hill so that changed that whole perspective that these were obviously intentionally created by uh older peoples whether they were native americans or something something else and learning about this it also connected to some strange childhood experiences i had as a kid in the woods um so this was this was something that's always kind of been in the back of my mind and you know moving to Virginia wasn't really aware of anything like that in this area at least not where I am uh, on the coast um then I came across uh our friends at Appalachian Intelligence and um that introduced me to Ubo uh to uh D Dark Hollow you know all of that kind of uh podcast sphere whatever we want to call it uh around your area and you know beyond but specifically on some of these subjects and um i think the thing that also kind of tied together for me um as i started reading dr heiser because i was hearing about him on all of these podcasts and so i went and got unseen world and that's been mind-blowing and it's it's really revi revitalized my study of the bible um so you know as a believer that that was really uh a game changer for me so uh with that, um, you know, you and I had talked, uh, or, or we had gotten in touch, you know, about something kind of unrelated, um, some spiritual warfare I was going through, and and you sent me some links to some of your Sunday musings, which have been very, very helpful. Um, I meant to mention that earlier, but um, 
you know, we, we got to discussing, you know, some of the other things that I was looking into. So I, I, I've done some of the powwows over at AI, uh, which is where patrons get to go on and talk about what they've been, been getting into. Um, not long after that, and, and it was re released a couple of, about a week ago, I think it was, Bo, if, if I'm correct, um, the, you did an episode with uh, Sword and Staff. Yeah. And it was about that mound in Logan County. Um, and uh, I believe it was Richie who was talking about some of the folklore associated with that. Um, and the difference being you you all are there on the ground, you're having, you know, kind of direct, <laughs> um, I guess I would say otherworldly experiences, but it was completely aligned with what that folklore talked about. So Richie covered a lot and, and, you know, you, I know you've posted that episode, your listeners can go take a look at it, but um, I think the two relevant parts of that was one, Richie mentioned um, the world tree. And mm -hmm. this is something that was, you know, in the Hopewell Adena culture, also in other parts, uh, other native American cultures, this is this is very common. Um, in the New World, it's usually considered a cedar. Um, however, it's it was even mentioned on the show that this is very similar to the World Tree of the Norse mythology. You know, the Yggdrasil, I think it's pronounced. Uh, I, I probably mangled that. Um, he also used the term axis mundi, which mm -hmm. is I think going to be relevant later. Um, he also talked about some of the, you know, common spirits, gods, monsters, which were involved in this. So the idea of the tree is that this is what connects the three realms. So just like in Lord of the Rings, you've got this upper world, you've got Middle Earth, and then you've got the underworld, right? And the tree holds it together. Um, so there are different entities that populate this world and tend to be assigned to some of these realms. Um, the one that came up the most uh, on that episode was this winged or plumed serpent right. which usually is uh, considered part of the upper world um, although there was also mentioned because it was part of the I believe the West Virginia folklore like you know that, that from if I remember correctly Bo that area around uh, well, uh, Point Pleasant uh, the water panther mm -hmm. um, I have suspicions that they're, they're two aspects of the same thing but I haven't done enough research on that yet to to verify that um so i, I think with this and and you know th this kind of touched on some other things that i, I was currently researching but it, you know like i said this was a very powerful confirmation to me that there's there's something in this when we're looking at these stone structures whether it's the the Serpent Mound in Ohio. I know you guys were in that area um, during the uh, the Fortean Airwaves. I don't know. Did you get a chance to go out there and look at that? I know some of the some of the guys did. Yeah, a couple of them did, but I did not. Um, I had my yeah. family with me, so we just we just uh, yeah, yeah. moved our way back home. Yeah. So uh, one of the gentlemen that was there, uh, Matteo, he's he's on Appalachian Intelligence, yeah. and uh, he's actually now a host of Countercult. Um, he went to visit it. And he had some interesting stories about that. Now he's got a different worldview than I do, um, but it, it 
it, it definitely has. Anyways, I was curious if if that if that came up while you guys were there. Um, so then you've got you know the the mound in Logan County, and I think also with the sites in New England. I've done a little work. Um, just just real briefly, I want to give credit. Um, I don't know. Have you ever had Mark Steves on from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy? I haven't. No, I've, I've okay. talked to him. He's also. Times. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. And he, and he also, I believe, is working with Sam Tripoli. Um, yeah. He he brought up a book um, on one of his recent podcasts. I think it's when he was on with Sam. Um, and it's called Spirits in Stone by Glenn Kreisberg. I'm going to send you links to these books um, if you want to, you know, post them in the show notes. Um, and he he has a lot of information on both the sites in New York and in uh, Massachusetts and some some of them around the world. So I'm going to draw on some of that stuff. I'll I'll make sure to to cite him properly when when we get to some of that. But um, all of this, you know, the, again this this is this is scratching this itch I've had for years of what are these sites? What do they mean? Uh, clearly from the the Sword and Staff episode. You know, th this has, this is this is a force to be reckoned with. I, I guess is how I would put it. I don't, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, Bo, but um, it, it it seems to be very active and, and in opposition to uh, at least some of the things I think folks like us are trying to do. Yes. Um, yeah. And with that, there's there's always a caveat, right? But I I, I the way I look at it, I, I I'm not going to mince words on this. We're in, I think we're in a war, and it's important to get intelligence on the enemy. That's that's kind of my approach to this. I think there are definite risks involved in this. You've got to be protected. You've got to have your armor on. But I I think it's a worthwhile. So that's kind of my operating my operating method right now. So so with that, you know, and again, there there's some other connections to that that I was looking into. You know, also with the some of the New England sites. Um, one of the things I'm, I've been always obsessed with is puck wedgies. Uh, I, I've had very few paranormal experiences, but as a kid, I believe we were being followed around the woods by something, probably puck wedgies. Um, and I've I've talked to my siblings about this, and they've confirmed things that to make sure I, I wasn't imagining. Right. So, well, you want to take a second to explain that because I I'm fascinated by these little things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, so without getting into too much so so there was already some real fear involved with the woods around us we loved playing in the woods it was a good time but we there were definitely certain areas we were creeped out by um one of the things that i think led to this is there was uh, a little boy i think he was like about three years old we had heard that this this little boy kept wandering off into the woods which is was really strange. And mm -hmm. then so one day my my dad came home. My mom ran out and up, you know, your kids, it's a big deal when dad drives into the driveway, right? Mom runs out to the car, talks to him, he backs out and he drives down the street. And we said, Mom, what's going on? And she said, Oh, this little boy wandered in the woods and they can't find it. So long story short, they did eventually find this boy uh just around nightfall. He had passed away. Um, hmm. So my mom told us in the morning and we never got a straight story on what happened to him. 
and and I literally would interview neighbors. They would all tell me something different, um, but it always bothered me. And so so that already was informing my experience in the woods that you know it, it's a dangerous place. Somehow I got in my mind that it was skunk cabbage that did him in, um, mm. which I don't, which is really weird because if you study skunk cabbage, it's a very weird thing. But anyways, it was around that time we started hearing. Like we would be walking along this one area we called Ribble Valley. It was a cool place to play. It was like a big sandpit, but it was spooky. And we would be walking and someone would say, do you hear someone following us? Because we also, you know, there were like obviously humans, you know, some of the older kids, there were even motorcycle gangs that would party back there. So we knew we had to be careful about, you know, stranger danger and that type of thing. So we were, you know, we were very alert. So anyways, we would hear these footsteps. We would stop eventually the footsteps would stop we'd start walking again and we would hear the footsteps start up again and that's one of the descriptions of what people hear with puck wedgies it could have been something else as well uh we also heard you know noises like branches breaking we've seen some strange things like animals that were had been obviously eaten but it didn't look like something that a a regular predator would do you know like a, a crow that was you know, completely plucked and, and, you know, eaten down to the bone with very little blood. It, it It's weird stuff like that. So again, I don't have any really obvious puck wedgie stories like some people have, but I've thought about it ever since. So, so one of the things to tie this back to what we're talking about is when I was doing research on some of the New England sites, there was a Native American gentleman, uh, I believe his name was Doug Harris, he was in charge of antiquities for some of the Southern New England tribes. They formed kind of a, there's very few of them left. So they, they kind of formed like a, I would call it a confederacy, but an organization to, you know, first among other things, make sure that these sites uh, get acknowledged and are protected and not destroyed. Um, so he actually made a comment in one of his presentations that, um, one of the things we would see is, you know, New England has these gigantic boulders that are supposed to be from the flood. Um, I, you probably, I'm sure you probably have something similar, at least in West Virginia, where it's more mountainous, but it's a very stark landscape. Everything is rock. You know, you can't farm without digging up rocks. It's just rocks everywhere. Sometimes you get these, these big, what they called erratic boulders that were apparently left by the flood and they would be split. And then they would be filled up with stone. Um, and what uh, this Native American gentleman said is that those split rocks are portals and they would fill them up with stone so the puckwudgies couldn't come out of them from the underworld. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I've, there were other things I've seen about how some of these boulders with the right configuration they would avoid because it could literally it was almost a reverse portal. It would, it could literally suck you into it and, and you would never be found. Hmm. Um, and that is interesting to me because if you ever follow any of the Pallides stuff, um, one yeah. of the common features, you know how he lists, it's, it's, he's a very meticulous researcher. One of the common elements of these disappearances is there's a lot of stone around. There's large hmm. stone formations around. So that, you know, and again, this 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 is why this stuff drives me crazy and I have to figure it out because otherwise I, I don't know what to make of some of these 
experiences, some of these things I've read. Um, so after hearing that episode, I decided to go back. One of the things in the research I've done is that um, there's, you know, when you talk about the the Manitou book and the, the work that these gentlemen did about how these sites are aligned with astronomical features. So usually it's like, you know, where the sun rises during a solstice or where maybe another um another constellation or star might rise because this was all important to them um partially because you know first of all if you're doing farming then you need to know when to plant and if you're doing any travel over the ocean you need to know where you are so it's it's really important to have a good understanding of astronomy and i'm, I'm putting a caveat in here a lot of this stuff at the time was called astrology, um, but we're not talking about horoscopes. They they combined the science with their either religion or their worldview, and that's what astrology. You know, and, and again, we know from the you know the Bible, the Chaldeans and the Magi were famous astrologers, but really, what we would call astronomers these days. I mean, even Kepler did astrology because that's how he made money. Um, so I went to this. I went to this book I, I read a long time ago uh, called Hamlet's Mill, and it was written by one of them was a professor of history at MIT. And the other one was a German lady uh, who was at the Goethe Institute in uh, Ger in uh, Germany. Um, and they kind of found each other. They were like-minded people. How I would describe it, it's a very complicated book, but it's about how myth is the information that an ancient culture had that was almost universal uh, very long ago. Um, so this is going back before, like say the Greeks and possibly even the Egyptians, but it was this common set of knowledge about astronomy and also how that influenced what we believe, how, you know, mythology and religion affects us. So to, the example they, they kind of start with is, so you remember we talked about the world tree and the Axis Mundi. Mm -hmm. um, one of the legends, and this is why they named the book this, um, came it became known to us as uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet, right? But that was based on a myth going back to the the Norse sagas from 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 Iceland. Um, and, and Hamlet was called something like Amlodi or Amlethus. So very similar story, but the difference there, uh, and this is the part that <laughs> Shakespeare left out, is he supposedly had this mill, and it was this, you know, it, again, this is where it's very mythological, this magic mill that could, that could grind out anything you wanted. It could grind out gold, it could grind out food, right? And um, so in, in the myth, Eventually, he loses this. It ends up on a boat and sinks to the bottom of the ocean where it grinds out salt, which is why the oceans are supposed to be salty. And it also creates created this huge whirlpool, which the legend identifies as the one off the coast of Norway called the Malastrum. And if you've ever read Poe, he talks about this. So now you've not only got this Axis Mundi but in the guise of a mill, and an axis is something that turns, right? Is, is, right. is that making sense so far? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, riffing, I'm riffing on this, and I'm just making sure, 
you know, it, it's it's understandable. But um, so when access is something that that uh, turns right. Um, so when you think about you take the world tree analogy and, and suddenly you've got it revolving. Right. So now you've got an image of the axis of the Earth. So the basically North Pole, South Pole. Right. And around it is a whirlpool. And what that represents is in, in the ancient myths, you know, they, they, they have all kinds of descriptions of this. From a modern perspective, what it sounds like is the electromagnetic field around the Earth. And if you think about how like an electric motor or um, actually, you know, better an, an electronic magnet works, right? So we know the, the rotation of the planet. It's a little more complicated than this, but that is what generates that electromagnetic field. So just to kind of show the, the context of this is of how universal it was, you've got, you know, Hamlet from the Icelandic sagas. Uh, there's another character from the Finnish sagas, which if you ever read Tolkien and all those all those um, elf names, they're they're really formed like uh, Finnish words, which it's another whole discussion there about uh, the Finnish language. But um, you've got uh, an Iranian version of Hamlet. You've got uh, an Indian version of Hamlet, and then there are other related legends all around the world. So so this was pretty much universal but it was it was like it's a code if that makes sense Bo. like unless you understood what this was referring to it just it just sounded like an interesting fairy tale does that make does that make sense yes it does okay so now the fact that this is so so some of the details i i think are relevant because again it, it gives us something to look for if in fact what's going on in the new world is similar to what they talked about in the old world. So there were, there were certain elements. So there's a lot of imagery and this is, this is where I think it directly relates to, you know, both the Logan County mound and the, uh, the Ohio serpent mound. If you go to Plato and, and this is, you know, this is now some, it, Plato talked about things that happened before, like Atlantis, right? And or the right. knowledge they were getting from the Egyptians. So Plato apparently got a lot of his information from Pythagoras, who had seemed to have a direct connection to this, let's call it ancient knowledge, right? Um, so there's a lot in their literature and mythology about rivers, and especially rivers in the underworld. So we've all heard of sticks, you know, other than the band back in the 70s. Um, Acheron, Letha, I think it's pronounced. And I'm a, and I'm a book learner, so I, I probably mispronounce all of these terms. So bear with me on that, Bo. Um, so there was a primal river called, if I'm pronouncing it right, Okeanos or Achelos. And the interesting thing is when the Greeks talk about these underworld rivers, they 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 actually go back on their source like a circuit now now we know that you know yeah rivers run downhill but then there's a there's this <laughs> um you know then the water evaporates goes up in the clouds falls back on the mountains as snow or you know comes out of springs so what they're describing is real but it's strange 
to describe a river that flows back into its source because that kind of defies gravity. And whenever we see either gravity or time, you know, the, the, the laws around those being broken, we have to start thinking, is this really referring to something on this planet or is it referring to something out beyond it, either in some, you know, supernatural dimension or at least out in space, right? So the interesting thing about this uh, ancient river, Okeanos, is that it was always depicted, you know, in the case of uh, Homer, I want to say it was in the Iliad, I forgot to put that in the notes, the universe has a form of an egg encircled by the serpent Okeanos. So anyways, this river is now seen as a serpent. And, you know, when you see these, these lithic sites or these mound sites, that's a very common theme. It's a snake who seems to be swallowing an egg. So this image is not unique to the new world. Right. Um, now, so, so just to, you know, and again, just to kind of explain that, so this analogy of the rivers of the underworld, it really seems to be referring to something that's going on in the celestial realm. And when I say this, I want to be clear about something that, you know, we, so as a Bible believer, we know there are, there are multiple heavens. Usually it's said to be seven heavens, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Dante also used. So, so there is a celestial realm but it's not heavenly, necessarily heavenly or divine, probably isn't, right? Because, you know, the enemy is is the lord of the underworld, but he's also the prince of the air. Right. So all of these entities can operate there, is my understanding. At least that's my, my working proposition, right? So I just want to make that clear. Um, so getting back to the whirlpools, um, One of the things I think would be interesting, so the, the whirlpools are associated with the water panther in, in the native mythology, okay? Uh, so it's something, I think it's something to look for. Um, but again, you know, as we said, that's probably representing this, this electromagnetic field around the planet from that perspective. Um, so here's another... Fun fact, Ishtar, one of the geysers of Lilith, is associated with whirlpools. Um, the Cherokees also have a legend of a fisherman who got pulled into a whirlpool that ends up being a portal to the underworld. So I think that's kind of the, the significance of this. And again, there are similar stories all around the world about this. But if you you look at our, our model of the Earth, so... I'm intentionally avoiding this part of it for now, but our planet is a an axle that wobbles, right? And that's what creates the precession of the equinoxes. And then, you know, and and that my concern is when I start talking about you know the equinoxes and the different, um, you know, the different uh, constellations that are part of that, which is described in astrology. I, I don't want to give the impression I'm, I'm saying this is something astrological in the way most people think of it. But as as our planet wobbles, the uh, the solstice will, you know, this basically we will see a procession through the different houses in terms of when these certain events take place on Earth. So, and that's when you get talking about ages, right? You've got you know, we're supposed to be in the age of Pisces. It's interesting that 
that means the fish that was really the age of that Jesus came to earth and his symbol was a fish um we're going into the age of Aquarius which which the you know the new age folks are really excited about um I don't think that is talking about the type of astrology that we're familiar with I think it's talking about this idea that they you know the planet has gone through different phases I don't want to get into like a young earth, old earth discussion on that, but it seems pretty clear that that things go for a while. And there's also this idea that there was a golden age. And I think that's the most significant thing because I think that explains where did all this come from? I'm going to take a pause there, Bo. Again, I, I know I'm just fire hosing a lot of this information. Um, is, is it making sense? Is it, yeah, is it, yeah, you're is making it a clear sense. picture? All right. Are there any questions? Because... You know, <clears throat> so far, I don't have any questions. Like, you're explaining things very thoroughly. Um, okay. But what, what led you to Hamlet's Mill? That, I had never even heard of that before. It, it's, it's very strange. I mean, it, 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 again, it sounds like a typical myth, but I think that it's a good question. Um, why a mill? Uh, again, I think as a model of something that people could understand back then, it made a lot of sense because again, you don't see that in the native American because they didn't have that technology. Right. right. Um, but I, this, this one I haven't worked out yet, but if you think about what does a mill do, like what typically, you know, aside from all the folklore of gold and salt coming out of it, what do we use a mill for? Yeah, to, to we're grinding. Grind, right? Yeah. We're grinding seed. For the most part, I mean, you can have like a sawmill and stuff like that, but right. but I think there's significance about grinding seed because think about you know in Genesis about the two seeds and their conflict with one another. When we talk about a war having to do with seed, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just that I'm, that one I, I need to develop a little more, but that's one direction that I I think I might want to take this at some point still thinking about it but that that's when you ask the question you know what why a mill that might be part of it that might be part of it um the other thing is and i think it was starting to get to this so when you're talking about the whirlpools and the portals and that wobble of the earth's axis so there's a lot of imagery across the world of what, what looks like an, an hourglass, right? So that's literally the shape described, but there, there are legends of a mountain that sits on top of, upside down on top of another mountain. And obviously that point seems to be the portal, like in the in the whirlpool, uh, the, the Native American legend there, he went down to the bottom and then there was like this opening and could, he could see in another world where these these other warriors were beckoning to him. So now he's, it's like he's looking through the hole in the hourglass to what's below it, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's, it's something to look for, I think, if, you know, as, as y'all are, you know, and I'm, I'm not much for field work these days. I'll get some mo mobility issues due to a knee injury and, and just generally bad ankles, but I do, I'm do, I hope I'll be rehabbed someday and can, do that type of thing again. But while you're out there, you know, a couple of things to look for is, is definitely whirlpools, 
right? And that seems to relate to portals. The other thing is some of these whirlpool legends describe someone like a princess or a goddess shooting an arrow into the whirlpool to get something of value out. And where what this gets related to is that, you know, we have the dog star that we're familiar with, um, and that's Canis Major's constellation. In other cultures, there's an archer there. So there's a bow and arrow, and, and the dog star is the tip of the um, of the arrow. So that kind of archery, which, which is, you know, obviously was common with the Native Americans. They hunted with bow and arrow. Um, but if you see that in conjunction with whirlpool imagery, right, or the water panther, then that, I think, takes on another significance. Hmm. This is one of these Poppy Joe wants to know questions. Sirius <laughs> is very, the, the star system, Sirius, not the word Sirius. Again, that's always been associated with dogs. It's called the yeah. dog star, right? Canis major, right? In the, in the Latin. So one of the, one of the ideas behind this whole cosmology is that, you know, when that star rises, let's say during a certain time of year, when it appears on the horizon, that's that's when they would consider the dog days to begin, right? So Sirius is governing. And, and again, the legend there was that that's why so many dogs get rabies, among other things. And there's different versions of that. So I'm just wondering, does Sirius govern dogmen? Don't have any evidence for that, but that's good. it's worth looking into. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so, so I want to bring this back to the you know, the the mound builders, the the ones who created these lithic sites. Um, so based on the artifacts I've seen and the ones that, that Richie was talking about, they definitely share common elements of cosmology um, across the globe. Um, it points to the constellations and the legends associated to them. So that seems to be the key. And so this is a riddle that, or this is a cipher you know some kind of code this is the this is the key to that um so my question is who, who would have extensive knowledge of cosmology you know if we go way back before the dawn of our history you know the first thing i think of is the nephilim you know, mm -hmm. the fallen ones, the watchers, however you want to look at it. Um, I do believe, as some do, that they had technology that was so advanced it couldn't be described as technology by the, you know, the, the people that, let's say, wrote the ancient books, including the Bible. So it just sounds fanciful. It sounds magical, right? Um, so... Assuming that these fallen races understood that the Earth had an electro electromagnetic field, and they were very good at building structures, right? You know, you look at the Tower of Babel, you look at all of these megalithic sites around the world, which they're they're finding new ones every day. Right. Um, would they know how to build structures that would resonate? or somehow utilize that electromagnetic field. Like, I, I don't know if you remember Tesla mm -hmm. had a plan to pull 
energy out of the actual environment, yeah. right? That would basically run off the Earth as a big battery. Um, he would, he would, ne he, he never was successful in that. Something foiled his plans. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure if we know what, but that was his intent. So, assuming that Tesla knew what he was talking about, it, it wouldn't be outlandish to assume that you know these Nephilim or these ancient races uh, understood this and had the ability to build the structures that could somehow utilize that. And so then that gives us an idea of well, why are these things here, and what are they? You know, what are they doing? What what potential do they have? from a technological point of view that we don't understand right now. Um, so going back to that uh, book, Spirits and Stones, so he has a very interesting analysis of a site in France. And so, you know, it's clear that there is some kind of Native, you know, either Native American or pre-Native American culture, you know, on our continent, um, I think I've confirmed, at least for myself, that it, it does go from the uh, Mississippi Valley, Tennessee Valley, across Appalachia into New England, which is still partially Appalachia. We, you know, I like to think so, Northern Appalachia. <laughs> um, New York, you know, uh, to the coast. Um, but then you have this thing, and, and this is, I think, clearer in New England. There are some sites that really look more like the stone structures in Ireland and England and in other parts of Europe, Scandinavia. So there's this kind of, um, a, a good word I heard for this, you know, this sort of a sacred geography as well. Mm -hmm. um, so if you look at, uh, so, so what I was looking into in this book uh, spirits and stone that i mentioned before so there's a site in france a place called karnak which is interesting because that's the name of a temple or or a site in egypt but um don't know if that's a coincidence or not so that area is very you know i think it's geologically very similar to northern at least the northern part of the continent um where it's primarily granite i think most of Appalachia is also granite, although obviously you've got the limestone, I guess, at the different levels where you've got all the caves as well. But I, I'm assuming that there's a lot of granite in Appalachia itself. Um, I know there is up in New England. Um, so granite has some interesting properties. It's made of feldspar, quartz, and depending on where you are, quantities of magnetite. This Karnak site had a lot of magnetite uh, in the granite. So magnetite, as the name suggests, has magnetic properties. Quartz has, uh, probably pronouncing this wrong, piezoelectric properties. So you know how like on your grill, if it has a self-starter, you just click that button mm -hmm. and it creates the, the spark that, that lights up the propane or however you're, however you're doing your grill. Um, right. So when compressed or struck, quartz produces an electric charge. So you've got these stones that are now arranged in interesting configurations. A lot of cases, so, so the one that's the most obvious to me is when they would take these huge erratic boulders and somehow lever them onto much smaller stones. Like usually there'd be three of them. 
So now the boulder is perched like a like a tripod on these three much smaller stones, obviously putting a lot of pressure on them, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there, there seem to be strategies with these structures that at least under certain circumstances, it may be creating a magnetic field or a mm. charge. Um, that's as far as I've gotten with that. I, how, you know, how they could harness this, you know, again, I, 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 I'm not at a point where I can speculate, but from what I know of technology, at least as it relates to magnetism and electricity, um, we could be talking energy storage or generation, communication, maybe even computation. I, I wouldn't rule it out at this point. Um, I would say almost certainly transportation. And, and by that, I mean producing portals. That has been a common theme that's been referenced, you know, a, 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 I would say probably the majority of these sites at some point or another. Yeah. Um, Another aspect of this with the snake that I I, I just came across more recently um, is that the Native American tribes and other cultures associate the Milky Way. Now, where I am in Virginia, we have terrible light pollution problem, right? I, I never see the Milky Way here. Last time I saw it, we were out in the Blue Ridge, like along the, um, not the Sky, Skyline Drive, I think it was. Maybe it was a Blue Ridge Parkway, one of those two. And it's when you see it, it's amazing. It completely revitalized my interest in astronomy. Um, so this, but this was a, as soon as the sun went down, there was a Milky Way in the ancient world. They didn't have this light pollution problem. Um, that was said to be associated with the pathway the dead take to their next destination. Um, but it was also associated with snakes. So that to me kind of supports the transportation possibility of, of what we're looking at here. Um, there was a, um, this I just found this the other day. Um, it was in something called the Hanawakan Research Center. I'll send you the link. Uh, so they found this hearthstone in, um, of all places, Bridgewater Mass and Bridgewater rings a bell. That might be significant. You read um, my mind, man. I was thinking like, this is like the Bridgewater <laughs> Triangles in this area. Well, I can't see it either. And, you know, and, and I feel like such a fraud because I've never been to the Bridgewater Triangle. I mean, I, I've traveled through it, you know, when <sighs> I was a truck driver. I have some, I have some relatives that live sort of on the edges of it. Um, but I never even heard of it until after I moved out of Massachusetts. And, and of course, so there, you know, I think those Pukwudgies are just waiting for me to come back in, in the Bridgewater <laughs> Triangle. But anyways, um, they're going to finally get me. Uh, so they found this hearthstone. Um, and so this was dated back to, and, and I try, you know, I'm not an expert on this. And, and of course, again, it always gets a little funky when you start talking about dating that goes back more than, you know, 400, 4,000 BC, right? Um, but, you know, when we look at things like most of the sites, they're usually dating them like the the Hopewell culture or the Adena, which one was ever, whichever one was the last one, disappeared just before European explorers showed up, or maybe even were caused to disappear by the diseases that were starting to be spread by the European explorers. 
um they just they like the mayans they just just disappeared very rapidly so that's another thing that probably needs to be examined but um this particular hearthstone that i'm talking about here probably went back to what was called the uh, ancient maritime sorry the maritime archaic or red ochre culture so this is going way back to at earliest 1000 bc possibly 5000 bc and so on this hearthstone when they dug it up it shows an open mouth serpent with a figure apparently walking on its back so it's said that this is either a shaman doing his journey out of body um which is part of their whole uh practice um or the soul of a dead person uh taking that milky way road so you know why, why else would someone be walking on the back of a, a giant serpent i guess was the was the idea um i've got a emotionally needy pug outside hopefully he'll be quiet um so uh basically this shows that this goes back a lot farther than i thought so i had kind of a working theory if you look at um the hopewell adenocytes the architecture and especially the cosmology and the, the the different types of gods and monsters very similar to the mayans and the aztecs um so my working theory was this must have come up so i'm picturing okay you've got the nephilim who were down in central america they you know sacrificed all the people they could you know yeah. caused as much trouble down there then they just found this great place because these cultures are always based on like like serfdom they would come in and kind of conquer the local population and then their job was to grow the food and you know enable these these godlike rulers to become rich and provide them with sacrifices because they almost all of them include you know some type of blood sacrifice um so this suggests to me that maybe that's not what the way it worked. Maybe this is something that goes back that's much older. Um, and just also as a note that I wasn't, maybe I read this at some point and I forgot, but you know, I, I've done a lot of research on the uh the Wampanoag. And uh I wasn't really looking at I I knew they had Thunderbirds, I knew they had some of these creatures, but they definitely had a horned serpent, and that's associated with their god, who's either called Chipi or Habamak. And I don't know if that that's familiar to you, but it Habamak, the Christian settlers. Hey, Bo, could we just pause for one second? Maybe you can edit out, and I can just put yeah, this dog can. somewhere. I'm sorry about this. He's um he's old. He's starting to sundown early, so just stand by one second. I'll I'll deal with him. Hey man, you're good. You're good. Don't even worry. You know, about it. I've done like probably at this point, maybe even thousands of Zoom calls. He's caused problems before, but never like that. So <laughs> get out, devil. Um. So hopefully, do you want me to kind of backtrack a little when he starts barking? I'm trying to remember when exactly that was. 
you're good man you're like good. I, I don't know how, i don't know how much was getting picked up on your end i honestly i heard him bark one time as you said hold on for a minute okay okay yeah, so you're, you're talking all right so let's just let's just pick it up for i'm sorry you're gonna have to do the extra editing but no big deal man el diablo is puerco that's what my wife says and from colombia means the <laughs> devil will mess with you every chance he gets that's it man that's it okay so let me know when you're ready to start again oh you're good go ahead okay um all right so and that i think was most of what I had. I went over some of it pretty quickly. Um, oh, there's one other thing. Well, well, let, let's do this. Let's pause. And I don't know if you have any questions or thoughts on, on that part of it. Well, I, I do have a thought. It goes back to the, uh, you're talking about these rivers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know of any, any whirlpools in um, our local river. Mm -hmm. The one where they found these uh, these carvings of the river serpent or um, river panther and mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. But uh, fun fact about it, it's it's called the Guyandot River. And it's one of the few that actually runs north. And I don't know okay. if that makes a difference, if that means anything. Um, I'm going to, when we get off here, I'm going to start looking to see if there's any connection between whirlpools and the Guyandot. Maybe where it connects okay. to the Ohio. That, that is unusual, right? Because they're either running west to join the Mississippi or south. Right. I think that probably, because that's kind of an anomaly. And I know Appalachia, I was trying to do some research on your on your serpent mount. And there's not there's not a lot out there. Um, no, you're not going to find Certain mine. staff did a screenshot of an article that was pretty good. Um, but so anyways, we could maybe, I don't know how much time we have left, but um, maybe we can talk about a couple of things I've thought of that we may want to look into. Um, but um, the I guess the one other thing. So, okay, so we talked about. This is something I just found as well. And I kind of forgotten. I'd heard of this, like, I think when I took my humanities class in college. I don't know if you ever heard the story. There was a mariner. This is about 37 BC. It was during the reign of Tiberius. And if you remember, Tiberius was the one who took over after Augustus. Mm -hmm. Augustus was the one who instituted the... Uh, Maybe it was Tiberius. I don't know. One of the two was the one that had the census that plays into the yeah. whole Christmas story. Yeah, that was Augustus. So this, the census. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it was Augustus. Yeah, and I, I keep forgetting you're a school teacher. So I, I got to get my facts straight here. I'm going to get a bad <laughs> grade. Um, so the pilot of the ship was at sea and he heard a voice that commanded him to announce the great God Pan is dead. So at the time when Jesus was at least starting his ministry, if not, and again, I don't think it necessarily had to be an exact coincidence with the death and resurrection of Jesus, but in that same time frame, there was this obviously paranormal instance of someone being told that the great God Pan is dead. Mm. 
And if you look at that, so, you know, we, we talk about the L lady. I don't even like to say her name at this point. I know, man. I'm getting pretty fed up with her too. But we've got the L lady. Um, you've got some of the other, you know, like Sarah Nunos or, or Pan himself, right? Um, that there's this, you know, as multiple folks that, that we know of talk about, you know, they're, they're still, they're being, their their worship is being revitalized, right? And th that was one of the things that that hooked me originally listening to, to AI was this idea that the Appalachian Mountains was where some of these Nephilim were imprisoned and some of them have been released. And that's one of the reasons I think it's important to understand these sites because I, I, I've i known of, you know, I know at the Serpent Mound, there was this Christian group that was protesting and they were saying, you know, we want to bulldoze this thing. And they were kind of getting into a conflict with the Native American people. It was kind of unfortunate because I don't think the Native American people were the problem. What started the whole issue there were, were the New Age people who were doing what were basically rituals. You know, it's like those creepy New Age rituals they do with the Olympics and, you know, with the meetings of the World Economic Forum. <laughs> Yeah, but from what I've heard from some of the Massachusetts sites, you know, like the the thing I told you about the split rocks and them putting the other smaller rocks in there, some of these are are closed portals, according to the Native Americans, and part of what might be going on is that when some of these sites get destroyed, it may actually be releasing something. Mm. And I think a lot about the fact that um, in New England, it's a it's a creepy place. You know, you you had writers like Poe and Lovecraft who wrote about, and, and so Lovecraft was right. If if this whole idea of the gods being banished to to the the Appalachian Mountains, and you get people trying to wake them up, I mean that's Lovecraft, right? I don't know if you're familiar with H.P. Lovecraft, but I was a big fan, uh, still am. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Manly Wade Wellman? No, I haven't. He's a writer. He was also like a pulp fiction writer, but a very good one around that same era that Lovecraft, you know, like the 30s, 40s. Mm -hmm. um, he had a character he called just John, you know, since it had been called John the Balladeer or Silver John. He's this kind of Appalachian folk hero with this guitar with silver strings. And he goes all through Appalachia having these adventures and it's awesome. Um, but what one of the first novels, he wrote a bunch of short stories, one of the first novels, I'm sorry, I'm making a plug for one of my favorite writers here. Oh, that's good. One of his first novel, one of his first novels was called The Old Gods Awaken. So basically him and his Cherokee friend do battle with these druids that come over from Europe trying to wake up the old gods of Appalachia. Love it. That sounds perfect. <laughs> I love it. I actually, I actually sent a copy of that to Justin. <laughs> I was like, "You got to read this, man." Yeah, man. I ask you to buy a book. Um, so, you know, getting back to Pan, getting you know, that's the part that it, it was going on over there, and somehow it came over here, and and that's where I'm. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Is I'm curious how that happened. I want to know, I want to understand what these sites really represent so we know how to deal with them 
but ultimately it's not to get and, and again I, i'm i'm very i try to be very careful you know i and i know you get you get a lot of flack about being like the cautious one right who doesn't yeah, just I, run I, in there and i can barely hear you joe oh i'm sorry i i I know you get a lot of flack about being like the, the cautious one that doesn't just run in there and, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm like that too, because I've, I, I, you know, there's always a, I say always, but the, there's times where there's a check that says, mm, and, and, you know, I do have concern, you know, Justin uh, over the AI talks about how, you know, you start looking into them, they start looking into you. Right. Yeah. And I think there's an element of this where, they're trying to fascinate us. They're trying to get our attention, right? So you, I, I think we got to be careful about that. But I think properly protected with the right armor, you know, we we can figure out these schemes and do spiritual warfare, not necessarily blowing stuff up or anything. Although if it comes to it, I guess we we have to. But I I, I don't think, at least right now, that's the answer. I think it's about understanding the enemy, getting that good intelligence before you put on your armor and go to war. So that that's kind of what I'm all about with this. Man, I love it, man. And you are so full of information. I, I love I loved it. Like I I didn't want to interrupt anything at all because you just you have such a good flow to it all. Um but yeah, I I'm in agreement that this there's all these connections, man. And if you look at the like like what you put in into your email too, like with these regional gods, you know, these mm -hmm. principalities basically is the way I look at them all. Uh, if you want to, want to hang a biblical name to it that, you know, that, yeah. no, I agree. I, I totally agree. Like, 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 you know, and, and something that just occurred to me is, you know, Israel had Michael. Yes. Who was its prince, yes. which Michael was this archangel who kicked butt. I mean, he was awesome. Do we have a prince that's a good guy in this country? I'm, I'm like really concerned with this now. Well, see, I, I don't think we do. Um, uh, and that, that's just where yeah. I'm at. I think um, that, that's I, I my know, concern too. Yeah, Michael is the principality of Israel, and I think that's why they're always, um, you know, always going to be safe um, at the end of the day. But well, well, we're not in the Book of Revelations. You don't see the United States of America or anything that sounds like it in the Book of exactly. Revelations. So that's that's a concern too. Exactly. And from the principalities that I've heard mentioned here, like I believe that uh, Lilith or mm -hmm. whatever variation of her, I, I'm, I am all but convinced. I am convinced that she's over this region. She has a stronghold on this region. And I'm you talking specifically like, talking about Appalachia. Yeah. From Appalachia up to Illinois. Um, yeah down through the Tennessee Valley. Uh, yep. I don't know how much further she may go, but I've, it's her imagery that's around here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And tying her in with the, with the water serpent or the, the, the water panther and the plume serpent. Um, <laughs> you know, she was the mother of demons. Her husband was, I believe, or I, I say husband, I use, I use that term very loosely, the watcher that she uh, made these, demons with he didn't, he didn't make an honest woman out of her let's put it that way yeah 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 i think it was sam ale <laughs> is his sam name. i've heard that too or as it yeah sam ale i think is yeah 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 and I've heard uh that too. you know it's hard to tell what he looked like man he may have been one of these seraphim nakash 
you know, dragon looking guys. He might be the plume serpent. Um, yeah. And that's the problem is they can, they can shape like that story from Richie, but I think it was, his, he was talking about his dream where yeah. it goes from like a clown to like a, what was it, a clown to a shadow man to a serpent. Yeah. And I think there was some other guys there as well. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yep. You did. And I, I think all your, all the research you've been doing, man, it, it all ties it all in together. Um, I think you're right. We need to keep our eyes open for, for things like these whirlpools. Um, and then there might be locations that might be hot spots, portals to check out. There might be places mm -hmm. to steer clear of because, you know, and I am the cautious one, I guess, but I bit off way more than I could chew about 15 years ago. Um, yeah, me too. Just doing what me I too. thought was a ghost investigation, you know, ghost. I use that term loosely too. Uh, yeah. But I, I learned real quick that you don't, don't go in there thinking that you're tough. Don't go in there thinking that it's a game or that you can just walk away from it because you don't, man. In um, our own strength, we're no match for these entities. But right, right. If you're, behind us, if you're not yeah. prayed up, like you said, we're have the full armor on. If you haven't repented, mm -hmm. you go in there with uh with some with some sins hanging around your neck and see how how long you last. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? You, yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Gotta, absolutely. You know, if this is a spiritual war, man. You got to be ready. Yeah, and and I think you have some prior service, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I only lasted one month on Paris Island, but I, I got it. That's <laughs> you, it. you let you learn real quick what it's all about. You know, you're, you're under orders, and it's not about you anymore. You're it's you and your band of brothers. So at least I, I got that experience out of it, but Amen. applying that to what we're doing now, it's like, yeah, we, and we gotta, you know, we gotta be a united front. And so a couple of things I was just, I don't know how much, if how we're doing for time here, but um, I, I think I'm going to kind of take a left from some of this stuff. Cause I, I feel like y'all, especially the, you and the folks at sword and staff and Justin, you guys have this and you're right there on the ground um, as I maybe figure out, you know, make some other connections, I'm happy to share them, but I don't want to duplicate efforts. Um, but what I was thinking, I, so I think I would like to, like I said, I'm, I'm still dealing with some mobility issues, but I would, I would love to get down and see that serpent mound. Um, yeah, and I also want to get back up to new England to see some of the places that I didn't I either didn't understand well at the time or just never made it to. I've never been to the America's Stonehenge, as they call it now, Mystery Hill Caves. I've never been to Gungi Womp in Connecticut. Um, never been to the, as they said, the the Bridgewater Triangle. But um, I would, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about in the springtime doing some travel. Um, one thing I think I can still do for my armchair here is... If I could get some type of uh, geologic, you know, they, the, they do those uh, relief maps, the, the what do they call it, from the, the topographical maps right. from the U.S. Survey Service and, and, and have the uh, coordinates for that site. When I mentioned that, that, um, that book that uh, Mark Steves talks about, I don't know why I always forget the name, uh, Something in Stone. Uh, that 
spirits and stones. So they talk about these solstice lines, which they seem to use interchangeably with, if you've ever heard of ley lines, oh, like, yeah. which are supposedly like these energy pathways or, or highways on the surface of the earth, right? there's there's one that goes from again I'm, this is from the book this is not my own research there's one that goes from long island all the way up to uh michigan and it goes to a number of these sites in new york and connecticut um what's interesting is so like i said it's supposed to be based on where the where the solstice is it's either the summer or the winter i can't remember which one is um and they all line up. All of these sites line up almost perfectly on this line. Hmm. The place where it begins in Long Island is Montauk. Ah. And the place where it ends up in uh, Michigan is where these massive copper mines were, where thousands of years ago, they were, they were just pulling huge amounts of copper. And, you know, apparently in defiance of what we thought was the technology. Um, I would be very interested. I've seen the alignments for the Ohio Serpent Mound. They're very interesting. I'd like to see something like that for these sites. And then if you can find a line like that, that could help you find other sites. Also, um, some of the researchers up here talk about how these sites are usually at places where it's the highest location in the area that is a source of water, usually a spring or at least a, a riverhead or something like mm. that. It could be a pool that, you know, turns into a river. So doing that kind, because I don't think that kind of surveying of the sites has happened in your area yet. The way oh. it has maybe in New England or this gentleman has done in New York. So that's one thing I was thinking about. And yeah, that'd be wonderful. That would be, yeah. that'd be a, a key piece of information to have too, for sure. Uh, there's there's got to be some kind of an app that would do that. Like if I have to go back and figure out the math again, I'll do it. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> already done it. So I'll figure it out. And then, then maybe you can send me some coordinates or something if that's not being kept under wraps. No, that's, that's no problem at all, man. I, I can send you some coordinates. Um, there are several other mounds here in our area um, that are commonly known. I mean, there's, there's place markers for them and all that. Um, I can send you those two if that would help. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. So I'll, I, you know, I'll take that as my, my uh, assignment. And again, you know, very grateful, first of all, for you bringing me on here and all the gentlemen who have been working on this. And, you know, um, if I can help the battle with some intel, uh, happy to do it. And, you know, really excited about some of the work y'all are doing. Hey, brother, I appreciate you, man. It's it's a blessing to get to talk to you. Um, I've I've heard you on the powwows and stuff for the Appalachian Intelligence. And I thought, man, that's a cool guy. You, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean to get on those. I kind of stick out. I kind of stick out. You know, yeah, I, I yeah, didn't grow up in the hills and hollers, but you know, it's, it's northern Appalachian. It's northern. That's right. That's right. We'll claim you. <laughs> you're the awesome. You're the I brains mean, of the yeah, operation. That, man. Uh, God help you then. <laughs> <laughs> hey well poppy joe i appreciate you coming on this morning i know it was early but uh i appreciate you for doing this with me man uh, no I, I i really wanted to get like i i, I had told you in my emails you know stuff came up 
El Diablo, El Diablo is Puerco, but uh, we overcame That's and uh, we made it happen. I'm really glad, I'm really happy. Like I said, it's like a early Christmas present for me. So thank you. Hey, well, it is for me too, brother. Uh, I hope you have a Merry Christmas, by the way. I know we're, we're recording this. I don't know, um, not ironically, on the winter solstice. So that's kind of fun. Too, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't. Dude. <laughs> I'm dead. That's wow. cool, huh? Uh, you just had to lob that mind grenade at me the last the last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, all man. right. Well, I'm. Yeah, man. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to have to grok that all day today. That's wild. <laughs> man, you're good at this. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks brother. Hey man, you, you have a great one. I appreciate you. Uh, may God bless and keep you and yours and have a Merry Christmas. You too, Bo. And, and thank you so much for, you know, uh, you know, just, the little bit of conversation we had has blessed me um, very much encouraging at a time they needed it. And I know you're blessing a lot of people. So I heard uh, one of your spiritual warfare uh, musings, and I just want to tell you, I'll be your foster papa who prays for you. I appreciate uh, you. Brother. I know what you're talking about. I'm dealing with the same thing and uh, you know, I'll pray for you and appreciate your prayers. So we'll, 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 move forward as a band of brothers here amen amen i'll definitely add you to my prayer list man for sure that's it for this week thank you so much for listening if you have an experience or an encounter that you'd like to share holler at me you can reach me at the bump podcast at gmail.com or by the bump phone at 304 812 0553. Leave a text or a voicemail either way and I'll get back to you. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. Stick around after this for a special invitation.
There's a river flowing from God's home, where the tree of life is blooming, where the personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it really simply that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again, to start a new life as a child of God, to join God's army, to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you.
things that happened in one night on my knees I pray I ask the Lord for some better days yes I
Take 